Welcome to the Drunk Dietitians Podcast, co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, co-owner of Dietitians of Palm Valley, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. Us dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We're also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we're medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join us for our favorite casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. Welcome back to Drunk Dietitians. Today was another one of those episodes that really got me thinking, wheels turning, so many aha moments, so many knowledge bombs. Haven't even told you who we interviewed yet, and that's how powerful it was. We had Miss Haley Goodrich on today, who is an incredible dietitian with an amazing message and is really changing the world. Um, Sam, why don't you describe how you know her? I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. So Haley and I were in the same dietetic internship together in Pittsburgh. Um, she started a private practice, not in the intuitive eating health at every size, um, kind of aligned message and then ended up transitioning over. Um, so today, today's podcast is all about that transition, being a dietitian in that space And something that I really just want to kind of drop a little nugget for anybody that's going to listen as we really go over what is thin privilege. This Mm -hmm. is something that is very misunderstood on social media platforms. Um, So for anybody who's wondering like, hey, I've never heard of thin privilege or I don't know what that is, um, definitely get a notebook out, um, get a cup of coffee or tea um, and sit down and listen um, because Haley really does a lot of educating, sharing, um, and just open and honest conversation on this episode. She also makes me feel like everything that comes out of my mouth is like word vomit because she's like so beautifully spoken. <laughs> and she was on Dayquil for this. So she, was, she was telling us that she was like, you know, I feel like I don't even know what I said. I hope it was good. Meanwhile, we we're like, that was so eloquent. Like, am I like in kindergarten compared yes. to her? Yes. <laughs> like- yes. Her and Fiona have this like Fiona Sutherland, who we also interviewed. They just have this like beautiful like verbiage and like I'm just like I need to change everything but I think that it goes to show that like and that's not true for you but I think it goes to show when you truly truly have a clear and concise message you know the words to put into these sentences to make it very clear to your audience and I think that if dietitians potential dietitians RDs to be's dietitians that are confused in their field right now are listening it is so inspiring to hear the way that she talks about what she does so strongly she's so proud of it and she is I think she's inspired by herself and by the movement that she's participating in, which is also really powerful. Um, Not to say that we're not, but she's been in her niche, niche, I never know which way to say that word, for so much longer. And it's very clear. Um, And it definitely gave me some really great things to think about. Um, There's a couple little nuggets that I'll share with you. She talks about the difference between being nice and being kind. That was a really powerful, Mm -hmm. I think, explanation and something that even if you're not in this as a listener, to this as a dietitian, you'll take away a lot of really valuable information. Um, And she talks a lot about, actually not a lot about this, but she used a really great quote that I wrote down about being humble and fumbling. Um, So be humble and fumble. And if you want to know what that means, you got to keep listening. So enjoy this one. Yeah, this is a great episode. So without further ado, have a listen. Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. Today, I am super excited because we have a good friend of mine and a colleague, Miss Haley Goodrich here. Haley, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm ex- so excited to be here and chat with you both. So thanks for having me on the show. 
Of course. I've of course. heard so much about you, Haley, and I'm so excited. I know. <laughs> like, oh gosh. Like all the best things ever. And yeah. like I'm thrilled, like girl who's changing the game on here. And like it's actually a perfect week for it too. It's National Eating Disorder Week. Yeah, eating disorder awareness. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what I feel like honestly, and Jenny, you could probably tell me if this is true. I feel like I've mentioned Haley's name on every single podcast we've pretty heard. much I think, she's here yeah. guys she's here <laughs> yeah, so, for, so for those who have listened thus far here she is um so Haley is a registered dietitian she's a certified eating disorder RD as well um so she treats eating disorder um so her primary focus is to create a weight inclusive environment with health promoting interventions for her clients um, and she also is a co-founder of Inspired to Seek, where she mentors nutrition entrepreneurs and practitioners who are challenging the status quo of our health industry, which we swear on here is entirely fucked up. That was good. <laughs> we'll, we'll get more into that. Um, and by fucked up, I meant the health industry, um, not really. So, Okay. So let's just jump right into it. Also, once I know, um, Haley is an anti-diet dietitian and a Hayes health at every size advocate for those who haven't already. If you go back and listen to our episode with Fiona Sutherland, she really jumps into what Hayes is, where it came from. Um, and Fiona just happens to be Haley's mentor slash bis like business partner because you guys travel together. We'll get into all that. So Haley, tell us. I know I already know a lot of this, but I, I want to ask, and I want you to share. We've had a lot of dietitians on here. I'm jumping ahead. Hold on. Jenna. That's okay. Keep okay. going. We'll come back. This gives me more ideas to write okay, down perfect. this yeah, or that. So we'll give you, I, I, got, I just got too excited. We usually do a this, this or that, like rapid fire that has nothing to do with nutrition. So we'll get there, but I'm too excited. So tell us or tell listeners, we've had a lot of dietitians come on and talk about their first job in the field, what brought them into nutrition and dietetics, their why, but then how that's changed, evolved into what you're doing now. Yes. And I think this is a, um, I'm, I'm especially excited to answer that question here with you today, Sammy, because you and I go way back. We were both interns together. Um, gosh, what, 2013, 2014. 14, something like 2013. Yeah, yeah, 2013 yeah. Um, which is now 2020. So that seems like a while ago. Um, but um, so yeah, I think it's interesting because when I was an intern to be a dietitian, I, which if anybody's listening, who's not a dietitian, we are required to, to match for a internship that's typically a year long. And we have, you have to do that and have so many practice area um, hours and um, sort of this long checklist of things to get through before you can take your boards to be a registered dietitian. So Sammy and I were lucky to be one of the, two of 12 here in Pittsburgh and um, got to know each other really well over that year. Um, at that time, I was, this was sort of a second career thing because I really honestly didn't know what I was gonna do with my life. So I had gone back to be a dietitian. And when I graduated or finished the internship, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do, but got a clinical job um, just because jobs were kind of, I know a lot of us kind of in our in internship specifically had trouble getting a first job. There weren't a ton of jobs open in the area. And I was just thinking anything will do. Like, I just want to get started, get some experience yeah. and been in school a long time. I started out as a clinical dietitian and did not love that right away knew that I knew that this, this is not my jam. I don't think this is my calling. And I was coming home at the end of every day, kind of not wanting to get up the next day. And that was, that was sort of my red flag of, this is probably not the spot for you. So at that time I was kind of panicking too. Did I choose the wrong career again? Um, so just feeling really, really lost at that time. And I, I my dad had mentioned once when he was visiting, he said, why don't you start a private practice? And um, this was the day and age before all the Facebook groups and before all these wonderful entrepreneur podcasts and coaches and things like that. And so I sort of laughed in his face and just thought, okay, dad, like I don't have any experience in business. That's the most ridiculous idea ever. And here we are um, so awesome. <laughs> working in private practice. So, so it's, it's more than possible if that's anybody else's 
dream. Um, I think it was also particularly a really confusing time because in our internship, Sammy, I had read um, Intuitive Eating, which was quite different from um, <laughs> everything else. That, <laughs> yeah, everything else we were learning. It to you, Haley. Where did you hear did about I, it? I don't even know. Honestly, this is something I've tried to go back and I think I've like blacked out some of our internship year or something. I don't remember. I don't remember. food onto a tray in the hospital yeah. wasn't memorable washing for dishes, you. Washing dish- dishes that uh, I forgive what it was I called. don't even know. I don't know if I came across an Instagram account. This part's a little fuzzy, but I was, you know, kind of secretively behind the scenes diving into this, which led me to health at every size. And Um, so it was just a very interesting, confusing time for me. Um, but I did, I did decide to go into private practice and it was absolutely the right choice. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want me to dive into that or, or not. Yeah. So we'll, we'll take a break, do rapid fire, and then definitely just continue this conversation. So Jenna hit her with some questions. Okay. Ready? Tequila or vodka? Neither. Really? So what's your favorite liquor? I don't like liquor. I like your beer. I'm though. a beer and wine. Yeah. Yeah. I have a bachelorette party coming up and I'm like terrified. <laughs> I'm trying to think about all the ways I can like throw the shots over my shoulder <laughs> because I don't I like mean, liquor either. <laughs> it's been such a long time from college, but I feel like tequila is one of those things that you have one really bad experience and the brain never forgets that I'm still in that category. <laughs> That's the only reason I do like tequila is because I didn't drink it in college. Okay. So I love it. It's too expensive at Penn State. But, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Wine or beer then? Uh, it depends on my mood and what I'm eating and what's going on and the weather, if it's hot or cold or you know, what I'm feeling. You know, that's an intuitive eating answer. I feel like well. Fiona said the same thing. She Didn't definitely she? did. She, she like, said wine in the summer. And <laughs> Okay, so then beer mode, IPA or stout? IPA, all the way. I really do like them, but they're like, that first sip always hits you like really hard. Like, like ooh, do I like this or not? <laughs> like, um, okay, night out on the town or Netflix and chill? Netflix and chill. Same. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Snow or sand? Snow. Mm, there Ooh. you go. One mm. of very few on this podcast. Yeah. Um, cats or dogs? That's not fair. I have both cats and dogs. <laughs> and I love them both. Pet. Yeah, tell us about your pets. Oh. How many? And tell us names and how many. Oh my gosh. Is this, we're really going to take time for this. Okay. Uh, okay. So it's a lot. We have three dogs and we have two cats because uh. my partner and I both, we each had a dog and a cat when we got married and then we adopted another dog. So. And tell them um, what Zach does for a living. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's a veterinarian. So that uh. probably makes sense why, yes. why we have a lot of animals and can't stop collecting. I'll text Haley like a picture of Biggs and be like, is he dying? <laughs> like, I sh- can I start texting you my dog's puke? Because yesterday it was a weird color. <laughs> like, okay, last question. Um, if you could have one thing, it- no, I'm just kidding. Crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Yes, this is important. Smooth. Ugh. All right, ladies. That's how I am too. Fine. <laughs> if you could have one thing in limitless quantities, but it can't be money, what would it be? I wish everybody could see my face. That's hard. <laughs> this is a hard question. I have never thought of this before. I you answered could go mine like, really shitty. You could go like, <laughs> well, you could go like materialistic with it or like some people go like really like spiritual with this. Like I, I, can't, like, Im- I can't imagine Haley going the materialistic side right now. <laughs> I, she's deep in thought. I know. I'm like deep in thought. I like I it. The worst podcast for you ever right now. <laughs> Especially on cold medicine. This is not fair. Um, I was going to say something like be able to grant people wishes or something. I don't know. Be a genie. I love that. Yeah, like a genie. <laughs> so unlimited wishes for everyone you come in contact with. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take cool. it. Yeah. We'll take it. I love it. So uh, can I jump back in before you talk about your um, your private practice. What were you doing before becoming a dietitian and what was like the pull for you to kind of change careers, which is a really, first of all, very brave thing to do. And it's a big commitment and you know, you have to really have some reason to do that. I'm sure. Yeah, I was pre-med, um, and was kind of tied between, um, working in the ER or being a pediatrician, really. I think that's what I had always envisioned myself. And then I was doing a lot of shadowing um, 
and spending time in the ER and it was a ton of paperwork on the physicians. They were actually spending very little time with their patients and doing just a ton of paperwork. And I was looking at the amount of debt I was going to go into going to school and just kind of getting the feelings of like, this, this is not what I want to do. Then I thought about nursing for a while. Um, and there were several roadblocks there and it didn't just didn't feel quite right. And then I thought, well, what is something I'm really good at? What is something I'm really interested in? And at the time I was um, kind of in that place of, I had a really rocky relationship with food and my body. And so I thought I knew how to be super healthy and I liked to run. And I thought, um, it's just interesting thinking back on it now, but I thought I could help other people do that do the same thing. Um, and so for the reason that many dietitians get into the field, I got into it thinking I'll just be really good at eating super healthy all the time. <laughs> um, so it's funny now because that's, that's not at all what I do, but so that's what pushed me this way. Awesome. And then from there, it sort of evolved. Yeah. I, I honestly love that so much because I think it's so powerful to hear the transition from every dietitian. Like the two of you specifically are making huge impact in this field right now in the haze and um, non-diet intuitive eating communities, but you both didn't start there, right? And, you know, as we've discussed on previous podcasts, as I'm transitioning fully towards towards your world. <laughs> I, I, it's just very reassuring. And I think for dietitians listening, like that have that pull towards, you know, this doesn't feel right to be teaching people this anymore. It's nice to know that the leaders in the industry had that same experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There was no, no straight, straightforward path. It was such a le learning curve in the beginning. So I, I have so much compassion for any dietitian who is in that place of, kind of philosophy confusion or even confusion within themselves around their own relationship to food and body. Um, that's actually a population I'm really interested um, and passionate about working with is dietitians or dietetic students who want to do this work or want to help other people, but um, are feeling really stuck with their own food and body stuff. Yeah. It's so powerful what you're doing. And um, for those kind of listening as well. And I, I feel like I've said this on other podcasts. I don't know, because I literally do say your name on every podcast. <laughs> like, I'm not <laughs> uh, and the reason why, and I probably repeat it over and over is that Haley has helped me personally with my own transition when I was just kind of like, I don't know what to do. Like I read intuitive eating and Haley was who exposed me. And then I was like, wait, so my entire life has been a lie and our entire <laughs> system and you just hit this point of like, oh my God, what am I doing? And um, so yeah, so Haley's been not only a friend, but a colleague and a supervisor um, throughout this process of just helping me transition. Um, and so we'll, we'll get back into that. But so Haley, tell us then, so you, you made the transition into dietetics, right? So you, when you opened private practice, even correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't open private practice as like, I am a haze intuitive eating dietitian, correct? I did not. That was, I was really still in the transition phase there. Um, and I would call myself, uh, probably a fence sitter at that time. Um, or I splinter whatever. ass, right? Splinter ass. <laughs> fence sitter, one foot in one puddle, like however, whatever analogy we want to use, that was, that was me. I'm raising my hand, um, my first year of business. And I was talking about intuitive eating. I was showing the book to clients and I honestly thought what I was doing was intuitive eating, but I, um, still had a scale in my office, still weighed, weighed clients. Um, and so I, was at that just super confused place. So that first year was rocky, not only because I was um, becoming a business owner, which is its own learning curve, but also was still learning so much as a dietitian. I was, it was my first year as a dietitian. So the, doing the two together without mentorship or supervision is not something I would recommend. That was the route I took because I'd never heard of supervision. I didn't even know that was a thing for dietitians. So, you know, I was sort of going it alone. And again, that's not something I would recommend. It, you know, makes your life so much easier and less painful and keeps your clients so much safer if you can have the correct support. So it's one reason that I also co-founded Inspired to Seek because I thought people need the support. Um, basically exactly what I wish I had had. Um, so within that first year of business, I 
what felt like I was constantly looking for an answer that I couldn't find, my clients were, we had great rapport. They were happy um, with the work that we were doing. However, I couldn't quite figure out or crack the code. It was like, there's something I'm still doing wrong. How can I not, I'm not, people aren't losing the weight and keeping it off. Um, and I was confused how the intuitive eating piece fit in there. And I, I just had so many questions. I desperately needed a supervisor at that time. Um, I also started to get very interested in eating disorders and treating eating disorders. Um, so that is where my work then evolved to finding some of these other wonderful colleagues that we have, really learning what supervision was. Um, and yeah, I mean, diving into everything, all trainings, eating disorders and, and things like that. So. So for those listening, because I think a lot of people honestly don't know, I know that until I, this, like, just being very honest, until I came to DC to hear you and Fiona speak, of course, like, I've been a part of your Inspired to Seek, and I've used some of those resources, but I didn't truly know, like, what supervision was. So can you explain that to listeners and, and what it really is? Yes, this is something that's actually um, required in the therapy world. So therapists, because they are working with humans and humans have emotions and stories and, and we as clinicians have emotions and stories, um, we sort of need to check some balances whenever we're working with other humans because the things that they talk about can elicit emotions and feelings in us. Mm. Um, it's, it's called... Um, oh my gosh, uh, transference, counter-transference. And so... Um, that can actually get in the way of the work that you are doing or hinder the work that you are doing with another individual if that countertransference is creating static. So um, supervision is a place where we can go as professionals, where we can go uh, as just a person or another human, and we can reflect and share and learn and become more confident clinicians. Um, so it is part case consultation. You might meet with your supervisor and talk about a particular case and someone you're working with. It might be more personal like therapy. So telling them this is what came up for me when my client was talking about this, this, and this. Um, it might be more... Um, tactical things like I'm trying to build my private practice. What do you suggest about this? Kind of more mentorship. So it's kind of all of those things, therapy, case consultation, mentorship, um, kind of everything all um, combined into one. And ideally your supervisor is someone who has more experience than you in the field um, and that you both are continually doing, continuing education and things like that to grow as individuals, if that makes sense. For mm -hmm. sure. It's so beautiful to know like I feel like right now, maybe in our little bubble of a world, but I'm hoping more people as well, but more people are asking for help when they need it. And like yeah. that, you're like offering help to the people that typically don't ask. And like, that's so powerful. Um, you may have an email from me after this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um, you need to join Jenna. Right? Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's really, really, it's just such a great thing. I think that you know, why shouldn't we be required to do that? Like we talked yeah. about this on the Fiona podcast, like we are, we're not therapists clinically, but like, it's very similar. Food is, is very emotional. And we talk about a lot of emotions and this should be required for all dietitians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's become um, pretty normalized and best practice in the eating disorder or disordered yeah. eating niche within dietitians. So we all sort of, it's not something the Academy requires of us. Um, but it's something that we as kind of a, a subgroup of dietitians have found to just enhance the work that we do, um, and create better outcomes for our patients who are in recovery. Um, and for ourselves as clinicians and the longevity of our career to avoid like burnout and things like that, and to also be just really ethical practitioners. So it works really beautifully, actually. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, no, it really is. And I think that's, it's so important for people to hear that. Cause I think too, there are, and I know Jenna uses a business coach, right? So I just wanted to. Very different. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Completely different. And so not that, cause Haley, you still supervise people if they have business questions as well, correct? Yes. So it's not necessarily just business coaching, but, but there are some dietitians out there that create these like kind of like mastermind groups of business coaching. This is completely different. What we're talking about here with supervision. Exactly. So, yes. Um, Thank you for making that distinction. They are very different. Even mentorship 
consultation. Those are all different than supervision. Yeah, absolutely. So if you don't mind just kind of sharing, so I guess supervision was a big part of your transition into the, into private practice after that first year and being like, okay, something's got to change. Um, what else like helped support you through that? Yeah. That so just a, the haze yes, a ton of learning opportunities. So everything I could get my hands on, um, continuing ed wise, um, creating a community, um, that's the inspired to seek community. And then within that, I was able to connect with other practitioners and people who were kind of in the same learning spot or who were more seasoned than myself. Um, and just, got in conversations, in difficult conversations, opened myself up to learning, opened myself up to the possibility that I don't know everything and that I can be wrong. Um, Because I think in our traditional training, we are taught to be the quote unquote expert. Um, And what I realized very quickly is I was far from the expert. I'm not sure who gave me that title along with my RD, but I wish they didn't. Um, And I, yeah, I think that's it. I found what, I found out what it was like to be humble um, and to fumble and make mistakes and learn from my clients. Because very quickly, once I started shifting my philosophy, I started noticing and seeing something very different happening in my work with my clients. And it was beautiful. And um, I started to collect and hold stories for people that I had never heard before, things that I had never allowed someone else or held the space for someone else to tell me and talk about. So I also just learned a lot from the lived experience of my clients and went, holy shit, there's a lot going on that we kind of just run over because we're too busy being educators as dietitians and not um, holding space for what's actually going on in people's lives. Yeah. I love that you just said be humble and fumble. Can that be the name of the episode? Yeah. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. I will say I didn't make that up though. I think that came, so um, I think Erica Hines needs credit for that. I'm pretty sure she's the one that said it, but I, yeah, I love that phrase as well. <laughs> That's so awesome. powerful. So good. Yeah. That's fun because I think that so often, like you're saying, like we we are given this title as experts and we feel like we need to be perfect. And I think I shared on an episode on here recently that it wasn't until I started showing my losses and like my fears and my insecurities and my struggles that like, I really found the people that I wanted to work with. Um, And I think there's so many of us that are hiding behind their fake Instagram filters and all of these things to try and find this group of people to make help make better. And it's just, really messy. Um, and I think that this is like, that's a powerful statement for growth in general. Um, and really beautifully. I love it. Jenna, I'm going to, I want to hear from you just because I feel like here we go. (laughs) (laughs) We had our previous one with Fiona and because I literally just had virtual lunch with Haley, like less than 48 hours ago. So I feel like I I just want to, is there, are there any questions coming up for you for Haley, especially because I know Haley's story so well. So where yeah. do you bring that? So, I mean, honestly, Haley, I want to pull up your Instagram because I feel like I would love more as to like your feelings, like as a human, you know, and dietitian and leader in this field, like how do you combat the, what was it? $7 billion industry of diet. And like, yeah. where do you like in my business coaching mentorship, they call it the MIT. Like, what do you consider like your most important task? Like when you're educating the world, I mean, you and your millions of followers, um, your Instagram is clean. It's to the point. It's clear what your message is. Like, where is the inspiration for that come from? And kind of like go on that vein, if you don't mind. Yeah, I actually really appreciate this question. I think it's very thoughtful. And um, what I like about it is that you didn't ask um, what, how does Instagram monetarily support your business or how do you get clients from Instagram? Or I'm, I'm glad it didn't come across from that because as that, because that's a question I get all the time when people see that there's, I have a somewhat of a following and really the opposite is what happened. It wasn't that I built a following and just to make make money or build my practice. I actually had my practice for a while before Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I think Instagram's blown up in the past, like five years, probably, mm-hmm. um, especially kind of in the non-diet space. Cause as, as you ladies are probably familiar with, um, the, the Hayes movement is not new. It's not the work of newer dietitians. It's, um, out of the sixties and seventies, um, 
evolved out of the fat liberation movement. So um, none of this is new, but it's it's interesting that with as a social media has evolved, that we're starting to give it some airtime, and and that's got pros and cons, but mostly it's really good, right? So. I would say honing in on my message and being really clear is what I would consider an art. I think it's something that needs, that requires a lot of practice and a lot of um, introspective work um, because a lot of us on Instagram are all saying somewhat of the same thing, especially in the non-diet space. But what separates people out or how you can see a post come across and know right away that it's Fiona's or Anna Sweeney's or Sammy's is the way each of us um, says the message, you know, the way our unique voice puts out the message. And I think that that right there is the special part, right? And so for me, I thought, um, who am I talking to? If I could think of one or two clients of mine that have just been um, absolutely life-changing to work with that have been when I think about my practice, my career, they sort of define that. Um, and what are the qualities they have and what do they need to hear from me? What do they need to be hearing every day? So I sort of block out the rest of the world, block out the need to um, compare myself to other people or do better than them. Or if they're posting so many times, I need to post more, kind of block all of that out that can get in the way and sort of be static and fuzziness. And just think about that one person's face and what they really needed. If they were hopping on their Instagram, knowing that they were probably thinking that morning, because I know them very, very well, what would it be the best thing for them to see come across their screen? And what would also be harmful for them to see or unhelpful? Um, and how could I really get very, very clear on what I'm saying, talking to that person specifically? So you'll kind of see some of the language that's out there around that is knowing your target audience or ideal client. There's some catchy words like that, but in my mind to really get away from those terms and maybe explain it in a way that more people can understand, I'm envisioning that person that seems to really have defined my career, who I loved working with and taught me so much. And I write to them every time I write, if that makes sense. For sure. And your, I, what I love is that, and I want this to come out as clear as possible. But what I love is that when I read it, I really understand that you're educated, that you're, everything you're saying is very research-based and that you show that as well. But it's also like straight into the point. Like, I, like that message is so clear. Like it's very, very, it's very beautifully done. And it's definitely a goal that I'm, I'm working on over here as well. Um, but it's, it's amazing. And you also do not tear down people in the other side of the field, which I think unfortunately has been a theme that I've seen in the nutrition space right now is a lot of comparison, um, which I really don't understand why that's happening. Like there's room for all of us here. <laughs> but, I want, that, yeah. that just triggered me to ask you a question, Haley, that I know we've discussed before and you do it so eloquently. Can you talk about the difference between being nice and like setting a boundary in this field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to lean on some of Fiona's work since everyone listening has probably listened to her prior. We have to remember episode. to put this episode first. Whichever way, or if it's not, you can think about Fiona Sutherland <laughs> or the work of Brene Brown. Cause I think this, yes. this is a little bit of her work too, on the difference between nice and kind. Um, where I, I tend to want, my goal is to be a kind person. And that means clarity and working within my integrity and within my values. And so sometimes that means setting boundaries. Um, but it's different than being nice. Nice is showing up and seeing someone doing something harmful, but not wanting to say something because, ooh, I don't want to step on any toes. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So that's being nice, right? That's that put on a smile, even though things aren't going well. And that really doesn't get us anywhere. It doesn't propel us forward. It doesn't um, help our careers to evolve. It doesn't help the field to evolve. It doesn't, um, it's not justice for people, right? Um, so kindness would be noticing something that is um, causing harm to somebody. An, use me as an example of what you've done for me. Or any, mm -hmm. I can use myself as an example. Yeah. I've had people, I mean, I've gotten called out many, many times and that was part of learning as, as you have, Sammy. I think um, there's there's part of no one can see us right now, but they probably know what we look like. And it's not hard to guess because we're dietitians and majority of dietitians are at large um, 
white, thin, privileged females. And so um, I can, I can definitely use my, that's a good point. I can actually use myself for an example. I remember getting called out multiple times for, for my thin privilege. And at the, at the beginning of that, not understanding what that meant, nobody was being rude, but being nice would be just not saying anything and letting my thin privilege kind of go uncalled, called out, right? Where some very kind human beings said, Hey, the work you're doing is important. It's awesome. I love that you're out here doing this. And there's something I think you need to look at. And it's the privilege that you hold that's actually um, keeping other people oppressed. And there's a way to be in the world and lift other people up. And I'm wondering if you're interested in learning more about that, right? So it's being called in to learn more is a kind thing. And it's a boundary. And it's how we are um, social justice oriented, right? So and I think with that, I'm glad you said, I liked hearing your feedback, Jenna, that when you read my post, you feel that they're very clear because I think clear is kind. So my that's kind of how I would, yeah. Do you want to know my favorite one recently? Oh, um, yes. My favorite one recently was when you said eating, I was trying to find it. That's why I was looking this way. Um, eating to support your natural body size is where a healthy relationship with food flourishes because I, so being in a mentorship, I, I'm exposed to a lot of other dietitians that are not in this panel um, or this world and nothing against any of them. Um, but I think that the word food freedom and like healthy relationship with food, I'm air quoting, is highly overused and very misinterpreted. Um, and to me, that hits home and is very clear because it really helps people understand like, okay, this is when I have that food freedom and that healthy relationship with food. It's not like, I don't want to use an example that doesn't really make sense, but it makes sense in my mind. But there is a lot of things that people are saying that don't match what actually food freedom really is. Can you kind of explain like how you help people understand that? Yeah, I think what happens, and again, I, I can certainly understand, I think where my compassion comes in is I, I always remember how, how it felt, how scary it was to realize that I... I was like, oh shit, um, I have a degree in something I don't even know anything about. And I <laughs> am getting called out. I'm getting called out left and right. And I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And I certainly don't want to do any harm. Um, so I remember what it was like to first read about health at every size and kind of have those like slap in the face moments and, and then think like, where do I go from here? And I never want to forget that. So I think that's where my compassionate side comes from when I see other people, um, maybe misguided or misusing some of these, um, philosophies and tools, or, um, I think, I think there's room for compassion there and, and kindness, like you said, clarity. Um, but I, what happens, I think is again, our field is largely thin, white, um, privileged females. And so they have their face on their Instagram and they're talking about food freedom and intuitive eating. And it depicts that if you are eating intuitively, you will look just like me, mm -hmm. um, which is essentially whole, um, holding up and reaffirming the thin ideal, um, which keeps those in marginalized bodies or higher weight bodies, um, even more oppressed and further in the margins because it's again saying, but your body doesn't look like mine. So you haven't been doing this thing right. So what we're, and we're taught to do this, right? We're taught to use ourselves and put our face out there and, and put our face in front of our brand. Um, but it's tricky whenever we're coming from a weight inclusive lens, because it's not about a body transformation. So when we put our white thin body out in front of our work, then it, it says, this is what will happen for you too. And if, and if it doesn't, then you're not doing it right. So we're back right, right back where we started. And I think that's really hard for people to understand. Thank you for saying that. Cause I think that's where, when I came to DC in, when was that September and met with, so Haley and Fiona teach the non-diet what is it? Non-diet approach, principles, purpose, practice. Did I mess that up? No, that was good. That's correct. <laughs> that was good. Is that, is that in the right order? Yeah. Um, so, and I went there and I think that, I mean, of course I had been exposed to intuitive eating. I've been exposed to the non-diet um, realm, but that was something that was definitely newer to me. And it's really hard 
um, because it's it, like you said, it's a lot of introspective work for people listening. Two things I wrote down that I think need a little clarification. Can you tell our listeners like what is thin privilege? Because I think when people hear the word privilege, it, it can go over their head or they can take it the wrong way. Yeah, I'm glad you um, offered up a pause here. I think it is something that needs some clarification. I've definitely seen some Instagram wars on this. Um, <laughs> I can only <laughs> imagine. They get nasty, nasty, nasty wars. Um, and I think if you don't have an understanding of what, what we mean by privilege, like body privilege, then it's easy to take that of like, whoa, what are you, what are you saying? What are you saying mm -hmm. about me? But it's not an attacking term, right? It's, it's not something, it's, we're not saying anybody who's in a thin body has done anything wrong. Um, but what it, what it is, thin privilege is a form of body privilege. So you could think about, if we don't even talk about size, let's just think about body privilege, um, across the spectrum. This could be things like having the ability to walk or the ability to see or the ability to hear. Um, all of these things that a majority of the people might have when someone doesn't have them, um, it puts them at a disadvantage and makes life harder because the whole world is not meant um, and hasn't been, sadly, unfairly, unjustly, has not been made for people with um, disabilities or people who um, are, their body is different from the norm. So body size privilege is, is no different. The world is very much made for a thin body um, in many different ways. If, if you want to know if you have thin privilege or body privilege in that way, as far as size, can you walk into any department store, Target, the mall, and, and find something in your size? Can you fit on an airplane seat? Um, can you know, do you feel confident or have you even ever thought of it of walking into your favorite coffee shop and knowing you'll have a seat that you can sit in? Um, so I think it's, yeah, so it's a form of body privilege and it's, it's saying that people in small bodies, thin bodies, um, it's not saying that they don't struggle with body image, but because anybody at any size and anybody can struggle with body image. Mm -hmm. But when the two people walk out into the door and go into the world, somebody in a higher weight body is going to experience life very, very differently than someone in a thin body. So all we're saying is we recognize that. Um, so it's really hard. You know, what's unfair is me in a thin body. This is a genetically thin body to get on Instagram and be preaching about just love your body. Um, yeah. You know what? Forget what the world says. Like, just learn to love your body. Just eat food. Just eat all foods. Well, it's a lot easier for me to say those things because I don't get death threats about being in a large body. There's no one saying that my body is a disease state called obesity, mm -hmm. right? So I, you know, it's, it is easier for me. And that's something that those of us with body privilege need to recognize and talk about. Yeah. That was, thank you. Sorry, Sammy. I was just no. going to say thank you for clarifying that because the deeper I think about that, there's really nothing that compares to that, what you just said across the board, like in this world, there's plenty of comparisons and, you know, um, minority situations, but that is like very, very clearly stated again. Thank you for that. Um, and it brings a lot to my mind for sure. Um, I really have been dying to talk about This Is Us with anybody. I feel like this is the episode where I can finally talk about it <laughs> um, because I feel like that's one of the first shows where they're really putting, do you watch it? No. Oh I'm sorry. my God. <laughs> So I need to get Brie back on yeah. here so I can talk about this. We ran out of time, but it's really one of the first shows where like in this episode and you know, both of you, please stop me if this comes off the wrong way, but it was in two episodes ago. So we're in February right now. Um, two episodes ago, it was the first time that Kate's mom, she's overweight. Kate's mom said like, you're fat and I'm old. Like, let's go swimming and like said it. And it was a joke and it was funny and it was celebrating. And it was like, a really powerful moment to like not have that be like, oh my God, she just said the F word. Like it was so like a great like moment of confidence for her and something that you don't see on TV enough. And like, I would love you to watch that episode and tell me what you think. <laughs> Cause it was so beautiful. It was like, kind of like, you know, just her owning, you know, I'm beautiful. I'm me. This is me. Let's go swimming. And like, not fear being me in this world. Um, and I really like, I watched it twice because it really like hit me. Like 
we need to normalize these conversations more. And like, there needs to be more of this in this world so that people can understand truly like the, the root of really where your work comes from. Did that yeah. make sense? Did that come off? Okay. Yeah. I'm wondering if, um, I, I like that you brought up the use of the word fat. And I think there's also probably a little bit of explanation that, that needs to happen here too. And I think yeah. it's, you will hear um, myself use the word fat. You will hear a lot of my colleagues and um, a lot of fat activists. Well, it's in their name, fat activists. You will hear them self-identifying as fat. And it's because they are reclaiming that word that was used as harmful. It was yes. used as an insult or something bad or wrong or shameful about their body. It was used to oppress them. And so um, folks in higher weight bodies are now using that and self-identifying and just saying, I'm fat, just like we would say someone's thin. So it's just when they use it, a descriptor. And it sounds like in that scene, I mean, I haven't seen it again. I'm very behind. Um, <laughs> apparently, um, it sounds like she was using it as a neutral descriptor um, yes. and saying like, why would I wait until my body looked like some societal ideal to be able to go swimming? Like that's what my mom was that, her. right? Yes, like exactly. <laughs> it was, and thank you for putting those words into much clearer terms. Again, I need to work on my clarity, but um, that's exactly right. Like to me, it was just like it was used in a positive way, and it was beautiful. Um, I smiled from that episode, and it was like, I'm hopeful that more people will start to normalize that as well. Um, you should yeah. watch Shrill. Have you seen Shrill? No. Write it down. I haven't seen that one either. I just watched Embrace and I'm obsessed. Um, but is Shrill on Netflix? Tell me. Is it Hulu? It might oh, be no, Hulu. No, I've never watched it. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Okay. Tell awesome. us why. Do you know Lindy West? Oh, you should find her too. That's okay. another good one. <laughs> find her on Instagram, follow her work, read her books. Okay. So it's based off of um, Lindy's work. So okay. awesome. Um, All right, everyone, we have homework. She's yeah. a fat activist. So awesome. she's awesome. Excellent. Awesome. Okay. So I guess my, I had two things written down as we were going through this conversation, but it, this kind of answers itself, but just so for listeners, I'm going to have you describe it in your words because you will say it more eloquently than, than I. So when we discuss thin privilege, when we discuss like branding, right? So if people go on your page, they'll notice. And like Anna's page and Fiona's page, they're not going to really see much of you. And that's something that sometimes like, I know you've said it like, oh, Fiona popped in and like, I need to show my face sometimes because there's nothing wrong with like showing who you are, right? This isn't about telling thin white women like get out of the way. You can't be a part of this. Right. But right. Talk about like why your page looks the way it does. And, and this all kind of fits together, but yeah. So in my learning, um, what I, what I have come to understand and learn is that putting my body out as the center of my brand, um, isn't helpful for the people that I'm trying to help necessarily. So there's enough of my kind of body out there. We can turn any page in any magazine, we can turn on any, most TV shows, we can go to most um, Instagram influencers pages, and you're going to see someone like me um, because I'm in an average size body. And again, I don't do anything to make that happen. That's a, that's a genetic, that's a genetic thing. That's just what it is to be me. Um, and so what I'd rather do is not add to that. I would rather not add to the mainstream um, visual that's already out there. And I would rather lift up other people who are uh, more marginalized than myself, meaning they are um, either not an able-bodied person or they are in a larger body than myself, or we have different um, maybe backgrounds, um, ethnicities, things like that. So um, yeah, I don't I don't want people to come to my page to say, if I listen to Haley's advice, then I'm going to look like Haley because you're not you're not, and I'm not going to look like you either. We could, we could eat the same thing every single day and we could move our body the same way and we're still not going to look the same. So I don't, I don't want to put that out there, um, as, as what intuitive eating or health at every size means. Um, so yeah. And I think, 
I think it's important that when I'm sharing things in my stories, mostly is where I share things, that I'm sharing the work of all kinds of people and I'm sharing images of all kinds of people um, and making sure that there's a lot of diversity there. And that's something I constantly am working on is finding new accounts to follow that are pushing me to learn and grow and teaching me, pushing me out of my comfort zone where when I go to their page or read some of their posts, I'm like, ooh, that's hitting a button. That's making me feel uncomfortable. Why? Um, and sort of doing that work instead of getting offended by it, but thinking, why am I feeling uncomfortable reading this? And I think that's what it takes over and over. So if I'm not sharing things like that, then nobody else is growing either. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So helpful. Because that I think I think that's the thing with right now, the field of dietetics, it's kind of scary because a lot of people are hopping on the anti-diet train because they're anti, like they'll say they're like anti-fad diets. And I think that's how my transition started. I was like, you know, fuck the keto diet, fuck intermittent fasting. Keto, like, Guido. Yeah, you love that. You <laughs> my go back to that. <laughs> it's my I favorite I literally one. don't even She did like it. a dance, like <laughs> beginning and I was like who is this <laughs> anyway so <laughs> it started like I'm just using me personally with like fuck diet culture Friday I was like oh my god we know through research that diets are harmful people are going on them to lose weight and we know that two-thirds of dieters are going to gain the weight back so I think like that is easier for people to understand like oh I don't like dieting but then when we get to the part where we learn about weight science and the truth about weight I think that's where people like where the uncomfiness starts. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, wait, do you know? So there's so many people that are now entering this non-diet space or this anti-diet space and you'll see it. You'll see Instagram accounts that say intuitive eating to lose weight. And you're like, yeah. what, the, what the fuck? Like, what did you just say? And Literally so, an oxymoron. Yeah. <laughs> so do you call people out for that? Both of you? I like, call will you message out? them? Yeah. I've called them in more. If it's a one-on-one, -on -one, like I, I feel like they truly just don't get it. Like they haven't finished doing the work. Um, then I might say, Hey, I'm wondering if, can we have a conversation or yeah. I'm just curious about why you have both of these things lifted listed. Um, if it's a bigger organization or somebody who is repeatedly causing harm to others. And even though someone has pointed it out or, um, they haven't been receptive, but they're still using these, um, trademarked names right. and these, um, philosophies and social justice movements incorrectly, then yeah, I'm going to get pretty upset because, there is a place where, yeah, we can have compassion for people. And then there's a place for a boundary saying you're causing harm to a yeah. lot of people. Right. Yes. And I think that's where, like, again, with, I'm just going to use myself as an example with me, like you've always been that kind person, like gently leaning in and questioning. Um, but it does come to a point where if you've heard it so many times and you understand and you know, then it comes down to like, okay, what, what's going on. And usually tell me if I'm wrong, Haley, but that person has probably a lot more self-work to do. Yeah. A lot more self-work. And it's like, just, just go back to weight loss. Like if, if you want to promote weight loss, like I'm not here to convince everybody in the world right. to become weight inclusive. I actually just don't care. Like you can do whatever you want with your business. I do care if you're trying to, to muddy the water, like diet culture is already confusing enough. And I care because there are people in my office who have lost significant amount of time in their life, money, energy, um, and they're at risk of losing their entire life because of all of this. And so if you're out there making my job harder and causing them pain, then yeah, I'm going to get mad. Um, so, you know, that's the difference. I don't, I don't hate people that promote weight loss. I actually just don't care. It's not something I want to put any of my time or energy into. And so, yeah, I care if you're conflating the message. Um, and I'd rather you just go back and do the weight loss thing and, and, and just be honest about what you're doing, you know? Yeah. That was probably my favorite sentence you've ever said. Um, <laughs> like, and that was just so, I need to rewind this to just get the words right. But like, that was so, so well said. Um, yeah. Like you have to know, I'm not even going to mess it up because it was so perfect. That was so good. I was listening and like trying to remember at the same time. That was so well said.
that you want to help people, but people have lost time. Like to me, like that strikes the nerve in my body. I think about how much time I've lost in my own life, like searching for that validation from something or that was does not important. Um, but time and energy, like we can't get that back. Um, mm-hmm. That is so, so, so powerful. And one day I will use that and quote you when I can get it right. But um, that, that's a big one. And that's a big one for people to know. And I want to be very vulnerable right now and share that over the weekend, I had emailed Sam, um, as I know she does with you. And I asked her to just like, take a, a deep look at my page. And, you know, as I'm transitioning more and pulling splinters out of my ass, um, I don't promote weight loss, but maybe my message is not clear because of certain things that I do. And I wanted her opinion on it as not my friend, but as a peer. And she gave me so much to think about. I actually read the email while I was on vacation. I changed some things and I was like, I'm going to come back to this. Like when I have time to really dive deeper and it forced a lot of my thoughts in very different ways. And I think that again, like to kind of bring this episode full circle, it went by so fast. Like, I think it's really awesome to hear that someone who has been in this field for a long time and is considered a leader in this movement, didn't start out understanding even what this movement was and is now so clear on what her message is and how she wants to help people and how you intend to change the world, which is so amazing because you can't change the world if you're hungry, right? Like you have to be understood and fed. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that that's just so powerful. And, you know, one of the things that Sam said to me, I will share that, you know, I've had as my tagline of my business forever, like learn how to eat right forever. And she said to me, well, if it's eat right, which by the way, eat right hashtag is like the Academy of Nutrition's hashtag. So like, there's the problem to begin with. But you know, to me, it was, it never clicked in that way, but she said, you know, this kind of makes it seem like there's a way to eat wrong. And that was a huge aha moment to me. And I changed the bio on there and my website does not include that anymore. And it says like, learn how to nourish your body forever. That's very different. That was all Sam. She gets all the credit for it. Um, but (laughs) you get the credit very different. You know, you get the credit though, Jennifer, for opening yourself up and saying, I just want to learn. Like, I want it to be, I want to put myself out there and um, be a little vulnerable, like you said, and and learn because truly that's what's going to help so many other people. Um, So huge kudos to you for that. It's not easy. It's all from you guys and learning. And, you know, my old blog had a whole page of before and after photos. They weren't about weight, but they were about, wow, she ate more and her body changed, which is awesome. But my new blog, you won't find that anymore. So that's been taken down and it will be taken down on any of my Instagram highlights as well. Good for you. I haven't Good done that you. yet. So thank you, Sam, publicly. Thank uh, you. And thank you, Haley, for just, I mean, you're very inspirational in so many ways. Um, but thank you for your incredible knowledge today. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. This is like a triangle of mentorship. And then, and then, and then now Jenna's going to find someone and she's going to do the same thing and she's going to keep spreading. But that's, I think, really how like, we all continue to grow is I know Fiona constantly says this and Haley, you say it, just being curious and just leaning in and continuing to grow. doesn't matter how long you've been in the field. We're not experts. Like, mm-hmm. it, we're always learning, mm-hmm. always, um, and just listening. And that's so important. So to end today, Haley, we always end with, we call it a nutrition tipsy or like a tip. Now, I know we've talked about a lot today, but for our listeners, like what is one takeaway message that you want to leave people with? Ooh, um, I would say it's okay not to know the answer and it's okay to be a beginner. It's okay to be a beginner for the rest of your life. That's what I like so much about both of your processes. Cause it's exactly what I went through. Um, and I think that's all we can ask for. We can't ask for perfectionism. We can't ask and say, why didn't you already know this? Why haven't you done better? All we can do is say, we're going to do better and, and mean it. And, um, so I think inexperience is not something that you have to hide. It's not something to be embarrassed about. And I think I spent way too much time earlier on trying to, to hide that I didn't know something or kind of cover it up like, oh yeah, I knew this all along or no, I wasn't doing that. And um, I think that's a, wa- a giant waste of energy. So um, it's okay to be a beginner. Yeah. That's awesome. And then for everybody listening, what is the easiest way for them to get in contact with you, to find you? And if you have any 
programs, events, anything that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, so I'm on all major social media platforms at H Goodrich RD. Um, I will, I know you know my website, Sammy, and um, I'll let you link to it in the show notes. My email is Haley, H A L E Y, at inspirednutrition.com. And um, upcoming events. I will be touring again this year with Fiona Sutherland, who was also a guest on this show. I'm not sure the order which it'll come out. So <laughs> we're debating on. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're hosting a two-day workshop in um, in both Portland and San Diego this year in May. So Portland's dates will be the 11th and the 12th, and San Diego will be the 15th and 16th of May. And all of that information can be found on Fiona's website. I'll give you guys the link so you can add it to the show notes as well. I would love to see and meet as many of you as possible in person. Awesome. So exciting. Well, thank you, Haley, so much for your time. We appreciate it so, so much. And for continuing to change our outlooks and continuing to push us to learn and grow. And I think this, this show is going to help so many people. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.